coming up next on Abounding Grace. You see, storms come to us all, believer and unbeliever alike. We're either in one right now, just coming out of one, or preparing to go into one, or a combination of two or three of them. God uses them. He uses them for his purposes. He allows them. He allows them for his purposes. And there are even times when God will send us into a storm to be used for his sovereign, providential purposes. For his glory, for his fame. And you are safer, church, in the middle of a storm, in the will of God, than you are doing your own thing outside of the will of God. This is amazing grace. Welcome again to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. We've been in the Gospel of John here recently, and today we join the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee. A storm is about to break out, and Pastor Ed has observed that this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew full well it was going to happen, and this would serve to be a protecting storm for these disciples. Here he is to elaborate. Some storms are sent into our lives to teach us our foundation. You know, when you think of storms, there are storms in life. Effectiveness comes to you and me as a believer through the storms of life. We learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about God. We get a, gain a lot of maturity in our response to difficult times, to tests, to trials, to storms. And there are storms in this life. Everyone goes through them. Sometimes they're brought on by our own sin. Sometimes they're brought on by another person's sin. Many times they're brought on just because of the sin that's in the world. We're in a fallen world, and we have to deal with the sin that's in the world. There are storms in our lives, and we, sometimes we bring them upon ourselves. But today I want to show you that sometimes God sends us into the storm. Sometimes storms are from the Lord. We know that he uses them all, but sometimes storms are from the Lord. For example, Jesus sent his disciples into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Now, did Jesus know that a storm was going to come? Yes or no? He knew it. He sent them out anyway. He knew the storm was going to come, and he sent them out anyway. Why? Let me just answer this for a second. Let me pause. Why is a big question. And for those of you that are in the midst of a crazy, out-of-control storm, I'm sure you've asked the question. Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? And you ask Pastor Ed, you ask them the question, why? I'm going to tell you. I don't know. I don't know why. I really don't know. I don't understand it, quite frankly. I don't understand why the righteous suffer. I don't understand why believers that love God and have dedicated their lives to living for him and serving him, have raised their family, have to face incalculable, difficult, horrible storms that seem to never end. So I, I don't have the answer to why. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you why for you or for me. I don't know. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. It builds my faith in the Lord that does have the answer to the why. 
But I was thinking too, if, even if God answered the question why in the midst of the storm, it probably still wouldn't be satisfying. We'll find out soon enough because we're going to be in the presence of Jesus, not in our broken down bodies, but in our new bodies and our new minds. And I believe when we're in the presence of the Lord, it's all going to make sense. doesn't make sense so much right now. Puzzle pieces don't know. And I don't know why. I don't know why the part of your life has to have such a dark cloud. So I don't know on a personal level, but the Bible has a lot to say about why. You know, whenever we're asking the why questions, we have to set the why question aside and then really ask the question, who? Who is your God? Who are you trusting in? Weren't you just worshiping him a couple years ago when things were going well? Yeah, of course you were. Your hands were up high, worshiping him and enjoying his presence. And now the difficulty have come. The hands need to stay up and surrender. We need to learn from Job. We need to, we need to worship God in the good times and in the bad times. He's the same God. He's the same God. But I can tell you this. I do have an answer to the why question from a Bible perspective. Not necessarily a personal perspective, but a Bible perspective. And it's this. Listen. God will send us into storms. He will allow storms into our life because we are safer in the will of God in the middle of a storm than we are outside of God's will on the shores of life. Let me repeat that. The disciples then, and you and I now, are safer in the middle of the will of God, in the midst of a storm, as bad as it might be, than we are outside of God's will, safety, or what we think is safely, on the shores of life. Because God does allow storms, and he does send storms, and he does send us into storms from time to time. And if you're taking notes, let me give you a couple to look out for in your life. Number one, we all face correcting storms. Correcting storms. When you think of a correcting storm, associate that with Jonah. Remember Jonah? Jonah was given a mission. Very simple. Go to the city, preach the gospel. I want to save a whole city. Man, that's awesome. Except that Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. I don't want to preach the gospel because I preach the gospel. They're going to be saved. So instead of going toward Nineveh, he goes in the opposite direction. And what happens? A storm arises. The people of the ship go, what's going on? Jonah, it's me, it's me. Well, then get out of here. And they throw him out of the boat. And what happens? He gets swallowed by a great fish. And it was in the belly of that fish that he cries out to the Lord. The fish spits him out. He goes and fulfills what the will of God was to preach the gospel. The city gets saved, and it's a glorious thing. But that, that trial, that storm was sent by God to correct our friend Jonah. Not only that, but to give us a beautiful picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Three days in the belly of a fish, so will the Son of Man be buried, and he'll rise again on the third day and say, yes, Lord. Jonah's a true story. But, I mean, you can think. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing thing to think. I mean, let's just say that we all took a trip to SeaWorld. And there we are at SeaWorld watching the Shamu show. There I am with Marie and my kids. And there, you know, in the Shamu show, if you're familiar with it, they take him at the end and he comes up. He comes up into the middle of the audience and he says hello with his head and it's all fun. But imagine if Shamu came up and swallowed Ed. Whoa! And my kids are still little, mommy, mommy, what happened? I think God's trying to correct them, son. You know, it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Somebody from the earlier service, they tweeted me. They said, well, Ed, if you got swallowed by Shamu, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. And you're going to hear the Lord say, well done, good and fair. <laughs> Come on. Come on. But wouldn't you trip out if Shamu swallowed someone? You're like, whoa, what would that, what's happening? Now, of course, that wouldn't be really good for SeaWorld or publicity or anything. But uh, here it is, an example where a great fish swallows Jonah for a purpose. God sent that fish. God sent that storm 
to get Jonah back on track. So number two, from correcting storms, there are also perfecting storms where God will use storms in our lives to grow us up and teach us a lesson and mature us. If we associate correcting storms with Jonah, then we must associate perfecting storms with Joseph. Oh, what that brother went through, our friend Joseph. All the difficulties from one setback to another setback. No little, no, we're not talking about flat tires and we're talking about major life transforming trauma starting in his own family. And he went from one trauma to another trauma. And you know the thing about Joseph was? It wasn't because of his sin. As a matter of fact, Joseph stands as a testimony in the Bible and a model and example of godliness and righteousness, especially in the midst of a storm. And yet, God used all of those things so that by the time we get to the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20, he looks at his brothers, the very ones that have repented and humbled and God's rebuilding the relationship. He looks at me, you know what? What you guys meant for evil, God has made it, turned around, made it for his good. Just like Romans chapter eight, verse 28, God's working all things together for the good. But not all things are good. There are perfecting storms. No matter what Joseph was going through, God was making him into the person that God wanted him to be. And every saint that we know has gone through storms and God's used them. Correcting, perfecting. Thirdly, there are protecting storms. Protecting. That's what the disciples are going through here. They're in a storm, but it's better than what it would have been if the people would have taken Jesus and tried to make him king. He didn't come to be king. He came to die on a wooden cross for the salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. And God has sent them away. Jesus has sent them away to protect them from something far worse. It happens many times in our lives. So a setback comes and we just don't. How could this possibly be good? You, you lose your job. And at the time, it's just crushing. You, how are you going to pay your bills? You're raising a family. But through that time of waiting and looking and knocking, you finally do land a job and it's far greater than what you had before. You would have never had that new job. You would have never even been looking for another job if you hadn't lost the first one. And you can look back after a few years and go, oh, I get it now. I see what God was doing. Didn't see it then, but I see it now. You wouldn't be in this new ministry of your life, right? You wouldn't be in this new season of your life if God didn't shut those doors a few years ago. And now you're all, you're dependent, you're crying out for him again. You're saying, God, I need to know. I want to know. Setbacks often will lead us in the doors and following the open doors of the Lord. And he's going to use them in our lives, even if we don't understand them today. It could be that you're experiencing a protecting storm. What may seem like a setback today may actually be a springboard to something greater tomorrow. Trust him. Here the disciples are in the storm to build their faith, to be discipled, to be matured. It's getting harder and harder. They're getting concerned. It, it took until the fourth watch before Jesus came to them. You gotta, you gotta understand the depth of this. This is a raging, crazy storm that they're rowing and fighting hour after hour. They're exhausted. This is a physical trial. And usually physical trials will mess with the head and mess with the faith. And they're going through it and they're trying to get out of it. They're trying to get out of it. There's really no mention of them crying out for help or anything. They're just, oh, we'll do it. We're seasoned. And, and so often in storms, when you take things into your own hands, it's gonna lead to disaster. 
Because think about it. If you were counseling the disciples, you know the whole story. So let's just think. You're counseling the disciples, and it's the first watch. And you're like, is it over yet? Is it over yet? And what counsel are you going to have to give them? No, it's going to get worse. What? Yeah, it's going to get really bad. Okay. And then it comes in, and a few hours pass, and now it's the second watch. And you get a chance to talk to him. Is it, okay, is it finally over? No. No, it's going to get really bad. It's going to get worse. What? How can it get worse? I mean, hours have passed. We're tired. We're exhausted. You get to the third watch. Finally, is it time? Am I to? And your counsel has to be, no, you need to trust in God. I don't know when he's coming, but it's going to get worse. He's going to come, but it's going to get worse. He didn't come at the first watch. And he didn't come at the second watch. And he didn't come at the third watch. But according to the word, he came at the perfect timing, which for them was just before the break of dawn, the fourth watch. And there he is, just doing the Jesus thing, man, walking out on water. (laughs) I mean, come on, isn't that cool? Like, I'll take care of it. And he just walks out to them in the raging storm. And that makes them, according to John, even more afraid. They don't know what's going on. You know, when you're in the midst of a really traumatic trial, it messes with your head. You don't think straight. It's not unusual for me to see their help, be confused about their help. Like, here he is coming, or, whoa, whoa, what's this? I've never seen this before. I don't even know how it's going to happen. And, and Jesus is so gentle. Don't be afraid. It's me. Of course, we have that time of Peter getting out as well and, and how excited he was. And, and that's in Matthew's account as he adds to it. But sometimes, sometimes you're going to go through it for a long time, and it's not going to get better. Unlike some people today in the body of Christ that blame all your trials on you and you lack faith and you don't give enough and you know you should just have your best day and you're just some substandard christian if you're going for some reason those folks have just decided not to read or use their bible i see that jesus allowed these brothers to be in a trial all day and night he allowed it he could have come at the first watch he didn't he could have come at the second watch he didn't He could have come at the third watch. He didn't. The perfect timing for them was the fourth watch, right before dawn, right before the sunrise. How appropriate. Where was he? Where was he on the first watch? And where was he on the second watch? We know he was where? Up on the mountain, praying. I wonder if he was praying with one eye open, watching them, praying for them, no doubt, interceding for them like the Bible says he's doing for you and me right now with one eye open on us. So grateful that he prays for us because in the storm when you're rowing and you're trying, maybe taking things into your own hands or you're just plain tired, you need to remember when you start to feel like you've been abandoned, you might have even said this, where are you God? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? No, he hasn't. Jot this down in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. It says this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. He's watching you. God let him stay in the storm for a while. Hours and hours and hours they had been fighting the waves. And Jesus shows up walking on the water. But one gospel tells us that as he was walking on the water, he would have passed them by. (laughs) Just kind of walking. Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, just taking a stroll on the water, you know. It's like, it just would have passed them by, but that's not what happened. What happened is when they saw him, they received him. They invited him in. 
It reminds me, you can jot it down in Luke chapter 24. It's the same thing with Jesus. He's on the road after the resurrection with those two men on the way to Emmaus. And the Bible says that, that he would have gone on, but they invited him to stay. And you know what he did? He stayed. Why? Because he was invited. It says here in verse 21, they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. Have you invited Jesus into the storm of your life? The boat, of course, represents your life. The storm represents the circumstances and the trials. Have you, invite, have you willingly received him into your life? Because this is a pattern you'll find with Jesus. Jesus will not force his way into your life. Jesus will not force you to do anything. He won't force you. He won't drive you. He'll lead you. And he'll remind you. And he'll give you the solution. He'll send people into your life. But you have to willingly receive him. If you want to stay, church, listen. If you want to stay in your own self-imposed storm, you can. And if you want to stay in the lifestyle you've chosen... You can. And if you want to reap the consequences of your own sin and not be forgiven, you can. If you want to go to hell and spend eternity separated from God, you can. But that's not God's heart for you. That's not his desire for you. God doesn't want that for your life. He loves you so much that he poured out his judgment on his son as he hung on the cross. You see, storms come to us all, believer and unbeliever alike. We're either in one right now just coming out of one or preparing to go into one or a combination of two or three of them. God uses them. He uses them for his purposes. He allows them. He allows them for his purposes. And there are even times when God will send us into a storm to be used for his sovereign providential purposes. For his glory, for his fame, And you are safer, church, in the middle of a storm, in the will of God, than you are doing your own thing outside of the will of God. You might think standing on the shores is the safest place. But for the disciples, standing on the shore was not the safest place. The safest place was to obey Jesus and go into the storm and wait for hours to be rescued. Be careful. Be careful in these times. Don't let your devotional life just fall to the wayside. Don't let your time in the word be abandoned. Be careful to firmly fix your eyes on Jesus, looking to him, the author and finisher of our faith. I truly wish I had more answers on trials. I really do. I wish I had more answers for my own life. I wish I had them for you. But I don't. But I don't trust God any less because of a few things that I don't know. As a matter of fact, when I face things when I don't, that I don't know and I can't understand, I've been taught and made this a practice in my life to fall back on the things that I do understand. I could live in the realm of all the things I don't understand and I'll be just confused and I'll be useless. But when I am facing something that is absolutely traumatic and, and ongoing and things in my life even right now are daily, daily stuff, I need to fall back on the things that I do know. I do know that God loves me. I do know that he sent Jesus to die for me. I do know that he promised never to leave or forsake me. I have seen his faithfulness in the past. 
I've seen him come through in many different times. I know that his faithfulness in the past speak of his unending faithfulness because even the Bible says if I'm faithless, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself. So I trust in the things that I do know. I fall back and into that safety of the things that I know as absolutely sure. And I set the things that I don't know aside for a season, knowing that there's coming a day when you and I will be delivered from this body of death and we will meet Jesus face to face. You know one of the promises that we're given? We will know even as we're known. That means in the presence of God, I'm going to get the full picture. And while it doesn't make sense right now, It will make sense. I'll get it. I'll understand. You see, I owe him my life. I'm born again because of God's pursuit of me, not my pursuit of God. I'm alive today because of the faithfulness of God who would send people into my life to tell tell me in my worst condition of how much God loves me. I owe him everything. And if he allows me to be in a storm for a few hours... Or hours might turn into weeks and weeks might turn into months and months might turn into years and years might be a lifetime of storms. I accept that. I don't like it. (laughs) But then, you know what? Then we get all selfish. You're like, I don't like storms. Well, what do you want, Ed? You want me to go through the storm? Maybe, maybe, but not really. I don't wish it on you. I don't want you to have to go through something that you don't need to go through. God knows what he's doing in your life. God knows what he's doing in my life. And I trust him. And I commend you to trust him too. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and part of our study in John's Gospel. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Well, Pastor Ed, today we learn that sometimes Jesus sends us into a storm. And some may be wondering right about now, what about the storm we face as a nation here recently, the pandemic, the inflation, just to name a couple? Is it possible God sent us into this storm? What are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, Larry, that's a big question. Um, We don't have a lot of time to develop it. It's probably a good blog post or podcast, but certainly God oversees the affairs of man and he oversees the affairs of countries. The Bible says that he can turn the heart of a king like the rivers of water. And certainly God has allowed the dramatic difficulties in our country. It's cyclical, isn't it? It's it's a cyclical time. I mean, with the exception of the pandemic, at least in our generation, uh, the economy has its seasons, the stock market has its seasons, inflation has its seasons, high interest rates. You know, It's a cyclical thing because man, we just have a tendency to trust man and trust the systems of man, and trust the governments of man, and the politics of man. And especially many people listening in, they love to trust the politics of men and women when the men and women in in power agree with them. So all of a sudden now, we're very supportive of all the politics because we agree with them. And listen, the storm that we're in, the storm that we're facing, is intended to refine us, to change us as we learn. Sometimes Jesus does send us into the storm, and I can't say yet, because I can't see with hindsight yet. Um, only with, you know, it's easy to say that when we're reading the Bible, because you can obviously we get the beginning, middle, and end of a story, but we don't have the end of our story yet. And so whether God has sent us into this storm or whether we are, He's allowed us into this storm makes no difference, really, our response. Our response is to get our eyes laser focused on Jesus, 
to live not for this world, but for eternity, to seek first the kingdom of God, to be in a position where God can use us in difficult times, that we can live with the hope that Jesus Christ is returning again, and we can share that with others. And and so I don't know, I guess is the best answer. I don't know if God sent us into the storm or he allowed it, but to me, it makes absolutely no difference. We're in it, and our and the answer to our problems is not politics. It's not a new, new administration. It's not new policies. The answer is for we as believers to get on our knees and pray for the will of God to be accomplished in our lives. You know, kings and kingdoms will pass away, but there's something about the name of Jesus that changes lives. Hey, thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord for provision. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Pastor Ed Taylor's book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Now, this is a must-read for anyone who has a heavy heart or is greatly discouraged. It's a collection of truthful reminders of God's help for your troubled heart. While we all share stories of pain, If we're not careful, we can find ourselves refusing to accept and receive the healing that Jesus readily gives. Join Pastor Ed as he steps into our pain and shows us how to live a life full of faith, even as we go through painful trials. To order a copy today, call 877-30-GRACE. We ask for a donation of $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of John. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.